I set these grand goals of this is what it's supposed to look like. And it's too complicated. It's like these people were in my care today and I did the best of my ability. My plan went off track, big deal. It's just the small wins. Hi, I'm Bobby, a certified caregiving consultant and educator, a caregiver support group leader, an international national speaker on caregiving issues. And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate and a certified music therapist. And this is Roger That, the podcast dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. Here, we focus on the caregiver, offer our practical insights, and share some emotional support. And we might even share a laugh or two. And we all know laughter is the best medicine. Don't forget the wine, no, Mike. come on. You know I never forget your wine. Well, that's, that's a very good thing for you. So, <laughs> so honey, um, let's talk about how you came from a long line of family caregivers and the attitude of family takes care of family. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, generations passed, one after another, when somebody in the family stepped up and needed support of some kind, somebody always stepped up to do it. Um, so it was, it was natural when, you know, we talked about when our parents might need some assistance that, that we would do it because a family takes care of family. Now, that could have come from a long line of very poor Irish immigrants who didn't have any choice in the matter. But I also think that, you know, the big families that we all came from just, just kind of naturally did that. And that brings us to today's guest, whose caregiving path began 45 years ago. She's had many caregiver experiences. Um, she never sought them out, but our opportunities presented themselves. While feeding hummingbirds in her backyard, she had the epiphany that she is a nurturer at her core. She believes family caregivers hold tremendous power to change not only the lives of our care recipients, but the power to change the world through our kindness, devotion, and example. Please welcome fellow certified caregiving consultant, Barbara Corley. Welcome, Barbara. Hi, Barbara. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really thrilled to be here. You know, that last sentence about um, changing the world through our kindness, devotion, and example really kind of makes us sound like we're saintly or somehow have superpowers. Um, <laughs> well, I certainly believe that the best thing that we can do out in the world is, is to be kind and, and help one another. Uh, one of the things that I kind of struggled with was when somebody would look at me and say, oh, you must be a saint. And I would tell them I'm no saint and Roger would be the first one to agree with me. <laughs> be because in a way, it almost seemed like it was, it could be a reason for not helping. That you had to be somehow special in order to do something like this. Did you ever feel that way? That being seen as something bigger than what you are was all? I never saw it as a burden, I would say. I have a difficult time. My husband tells me this all the time. There is just something, and I don't say this, um, I don't say this egotistically or anything. I know there is something different and there is something special about what I bring to the table um, in my caring for my sister and caring for my husband. And I tend to just think, well, everybody does it, right? And he's <laughs> like, no, they don't, you know? And I'm really always struck by comments other people make. And, you know, you never really know how other people view you or how I don't see myself the way other people do. To me, it's just another day. And I've had people make comments that I'm like, I don't know. They're just, they're very, it's, 
I've stepped into roles that they necessarily would not have. And it's just second nature to me. Like you said, family takes care of family. Oh, often said not everybody can be a caregiver. Not everybody should be. And there, yeah. there is, there is a nurturing element to people who, who naturally do this. Unfortunately, in the caregiving world, a number of people are called to do it who aren't naturally nurturing and find it extremely difficult. And I'm sure that they would like to hear, you know, about your caregiving experience. One of the things that brought me to you was you had such varied caregiving experiences. (laughs) Uh, How about you tell us a little bit about that? Well, um, as your lovely intro said, uh, my my uh, journey into caregiving began when I was uh, a little over four years old. My uh, younger sister, she's my only other sibling, was born completely healthy, five months of age, contracted uh, bacterial meningitis. Uh, it ravaged her system, absolutely ravaged her system. She basically, uh, in the aftermath of that virus was left, she was fasted quadriplegic, cortically vision impaired, non-ambulatory, non-verbal. Oh my. Um, Yes, we, my parents fought with seizure activity. It was awful. Um, It was very traumatic experience for everyone. I'm happy to say that over the years that she's a 45 year old, happy, healthy individual. She lives with my parents who I continue to go three times a week, um, three days a week, I should say, and help with her care. I chose to stay involved because I am the only other sibling. And to your point earlier, both of you, you know, said family takes care of family. Um, she's my only other sibling. So when my parents are either no longer able to, or when they leave this world, her responsibility, I feel comes to me. And I, you know, willingly stepped into that role. Um, beyond that, I have worked uh, 22 years in the um, lower limb amputee community. Uh, I worked for a um, lower limb prosthetics manufacturer, um, internationally based uh, for research and development of products for amputees. Uh, it was in that role that I met my husband who uh, was in, had, shortly after he became an amputee. Uh, he's a military veteran as well. So I've, I've lived in physical and developmental disability communities my entire life um, since that since my husband and I got married, uh, we've gone down the path of dealing with post-traumatic. We've gone down the path of post-concussive syndrome. He was in the military for 22 years, almost 23 years. And that's hard on a body physically. So there are some wear and tear issues, if you will, that he deals with on a daily basis. So um, yeah, nothing that I, I purposefully sought out, but oh, you know, they found me and apparently <laughs> it's where I'm meant to be. So it, it's interesting because we typically deal with the dementia and the dementia caregiving here. But what you're saying mm-hmm. is that there's various types of caregiving. And that's so- something Absolutely. that maybe a lot of people don't realize that there's a whole plethora of caregiving. Absolutely. Now, I have to ask you, with helping with your sister and your husband, have you ever felt overwhelmed? Oh, Absolutely. No question. Do you have any tips for dealing with the overwhelmed? Honestly, I have worked really hard um, because for 22 years, basically, I carried a full-time job and both of those caregiving responsibilities. And I really, probably within the last two or three years, really focused on mindset 
and I noticed that what was bothering me the most, what was my trigger, was when something out of left field would happen, which it always does in caregiving. Nothing is a straight line. I was very reacted to it. And I found that my resistance to what was happening was creating my stress. So I heard this phrase something somewhere. It just is. And that's what I constantly tell myself because I can get up in the morning with a day planned. This is what my day is going to look like because I'm a planner by nature. And then something would happen and I would get stressed out and I would just be like, no, that's not how they, I was too rigid. And I actually took on the mantra, it just is. And I felt physically feel myself let go of that resistance. I think that's an excellent tip for caregivers, regardless of, you know, who their carry might be. It was one of the things that I struggled with was things not going as planned and what did I miss or how could it, how could I have handled it better? Um, but to look at it as it, this, it just is, and this is what we deal with. I, you know, I called it problem solving on the run. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But I think as caregivers, we all, we all get overwhelmed. And, you know, something as basic as that, if just looking at it, this is what it is today. Um, I think, I think it'll help. I think it'll help a lot. It's been tremendous from something so simple. It's fine that my schedule went off track because normally in the end, when I look back at it, it was, I would have potentially missed out on some really incredible things that, you know, positive things or just learning opportunities that I wouldn't have had my day gone as planned. So I've I've really learned, I don't have all the answers, you know, (laughs) as a caregiver, I really, you know, I just respond and move forward as calmly and as rationally as I can and take things as they come. I think I saw a quote a long, long time ago, and I think it was on professional wrestling where they said, as soon as you think you know the answer, they'll change the question. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I think, I think if anything, caregiving teaches you how to bob and weave, as I say, to your boxing right. reference, bob and weave very well. Yeah. I spend a lot of time praying and a lot of time crying. And Mike spent a great deal of time reassuring me that, you know, you're doing well. You're, you're doing a good job. And I have to say, Roger's doctors and nurses told me the same thing but in the day-to-day so often it was hard to believe that Mm -hmm. I I can I can absolutely see that Um, I think we're our own worst enemy in turn in our own biggest critic Mm -hmm. and I've always struggled with people can tell me I'm doing a great job if I don't believe it oh well you know I kind of blow it off Um, it's it's taken a lot for me to realize You know, I set these grand goals of this is what it's supposed to look like. And it's too complicated. You know, it's like these people were in my care today and I did the best of my ability and everyone's still breathing and everyone's doing fine. My plan went off track. Big deal. It's just the small wins. I've I've really had to do a mindset shift of it's truly about the small wins. And. So, so many of the small wins are unrecognized and unnoticed by most people. I agree with you. I agree with you. And I really have to stop and, and look for them. And I'm, I'm an optimist by nature. I'm very glass half full. And it's, a, it's been something I've trained myself to see. And, you know, my day went off track, but fine. But I didn't get to 
you know, sit on the front porch with my husband and have a cup of coffee this morning had my plan gone as, as it did, you know? So I think it's looking for those, being actively looking for the positive that's happened. And, you know, another thing is you don't realize in the moment something special has happened that's going to mean so much to you later. Uh, and that happened a few times yeah. with, with Mike's dad. Even something that wasn't so great on the day. Um, mm-hmm. I, I remember a time when I had gotten him pretty much settled for the day. And I came downstairs and I went to the bathroom and I was on the toilet and I heard him yelling, Bobby, 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 come quick, I need you. So I quick pulled up my pants and run up the stairs with pee running down my leg and got into <laughs> his room and he was, the remote doesn't work, the TV's gone berserk. And I was like, oh my God, you know, I can't even go to the bathroom. <laughs> but now this is one of my favorite stories. This is one of the things that you, you look back and you remember it was a weird moment, but it was a special moment. And it was, it was Roger as Roger because, you know, that was a, a, almost a daily occurrence with him. Sure. When the uh, doctor or the nurse was telling him how wonderful you were and how special you are <laughs> and what, what his response was. Oh, well, because he was my father-in-law, a lot of times the, the medical people would be surprised that I was his primary caregiver, you know, mm -hmm. like some, to me, family is family. It doesn't matter how they get to you. And, you know, he, he was, but I was in there, you know, and, and this one day and, and, you know, the doctor said, Mr. Carducci, you should take your daughter and out, uh, daughter-in-law out to lunch. She really takes good care of you. You're a lucky man to have her. And he goes, she's okay. She cooks, she cleans my son. He does everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh brutal honesty you can oh, see why man. mike likes that story uh, <laughs> i can appreciate that yeah absolutely but there were those times of super clarity and he would say what that i was his best friend or that if you know he would be a goner without me um yeah. oh and you know i hate to take up all the time but there was there was a night when I had a panic attack and I didn't really, it was my first panic attack as a caregiver and I didn't know what it was. And anyway, the ambulance came and, you know, calmed me down, everything was fine. And they could hear him snoring. They said, you know, who, who else is in the house? And I said, He's, that's my father in his room snoring. The next morning I asked him if he heard the, the ambulance come and he said, for me? And I said, no, dad, it was, it was for me. I, you know, I needed some attention and he, he said, Oh, thank God you're okay. And I thought, oh, he really loves me. And then he goes, well, if you go down, I go down. <laughs> <laughs> but kind of a left-handed compliment. <laughs> yeah. So that goes into those precious moments that you think of afterwards, not necessarily when you're in the midst of it, to, to kind of piggyback oh, on what absolutely. you said. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, my sister has a very unique way of communicating. It's really interesting to see that since I've been able to spend more time with her, my parents will share with me how excited she is that I'm coming because mom and dad are all business, you know, and I bring the play factor and the fresh attitude and let's try this. And that's my goal. I feel my goal is to make her world bigger. She can't go to the world. So I try to bring it to her. And to your point, just to hear her, someone tell me that 
she's excited that I'm coming or um, that she tells me herself that she's happy to see me. That's, that makes all the craziness of the day just melt away. Okay, Barbara, when we first started talking, you talked about your sister and you were, did you say you were four years old at that time? I was four years old, yeah. So you're one of the many child caregivers that go unrecognized out there, that people think of um, caregivers as people taking care of their families or maybe taking care of their husband or an adult sibling. But being involved in the day-to-day care as a young child happens every single day, but it's one of those things that aren't necessarily talked about either. Do you think that somehow your childhood was less or better because of that? I would say my childhood was different. Um, I was an incredibly sensitive child and I don't know, in hindsight, it probably relates to the stress that was going on in my family at that time. I understand my sister was, you know, had wounds and screaming seizures and while my parents did everything they could to make my childhood as quote normal and to shield me from that as much as they could, there's, there's no way that that's not going to potentially affect someone. I feel like, I mean, there are probably, if I look back in retrospect, yeah, my life, there were less things that we could do. We couldn't pack up and go to the amusement park. She had wheelchairs and there were accoutrements that went with her and you know, it was different. Do I look at it in with regret? No, because there are lessons that I learned from that I wouldn't trade for anything. Exactly. Oh, you said that you felt that this is what you were meant to do. And clearly you were not only born to it, you were nurtured into it. Absolutely. Yeah. I jokingly say I come from a long line of caregivers. Both my grandmothers were caregivers, my mother from my sister, um, myself. So I like to think I get it somewhat honest, you know, and there's that, there's some connection there through the generations that um, I just naturally, I just naturally do it. It's, it's not something that I have to force. It comes very natural to me. One of the things that Bobby always said was she was setting the example for our children for when she gets old. (laughs) (laughs) Set the standard. That's right. You know, you know, that's one of the things people would ask me when I announced that I was going to quit my job to take care of my father-in-law. And first they wondered what I was going to do all day, like, you know, sit around and read novels and eat chocolates or whatever. It, it meant something to me to say, I'm setting an example for my children. A lot of people would laugh, but then they would kind of think about it because we're all okay until we're not. And eventually the time is going to come when each one of us is going to need some kind of some kind of help and assistance mm-hmm. that that's definitely part of it now you have been in this your entire life yes so i have to imagine that you have all kinds of wisdom to share for people who are <laughs> caring for someone <laughs> um wow i would have to say probably the most most of the wisdom that has come to me has probably been over the last few years um in terms of how i've how I've adjusted my mindset to manage, manage things. Um, as a caregiver, you're pulled in many different directions. I mean, like I said, the, it just is, that's been the most life-changing 
most life-changing skill I use on a daily basis to just help me process what's happening because I do get pulled in different directions. Um, you know, like one day part, I can be with my sister and I come home in the evening and then it shifts to husband. So it's like you put your game face on. It's a challenge. I think you have to actually give one of the best things is to give yourself grace. You know, what your idea of perfect is may not necessarily be, I set the bar too high for myself. I know that. Um, Basically just giving yourself grace and just breathing. And it, it sounds cliche, but taking things one day at a time. I, pro- I used to project too far into the future. And it's like, all I have is right here and right now. That's, that's so, so, so very true. Right here, right now. You know, the comment about small wins. I think that that helps also. If, if a small win is getting someone to feel comfortable, you know, by, by moving them in the bed or the chair, mm-hmm. or a small win is getting some, giving someone um, a big smile and they smile back um, as caregivers. Those, those are the moments that, that keep us going. Um, I, I called it the, the hardest job I ever loved, but I didn't love it all the time. Right. <laughs> I agree with you. And I think that's okay. I think that's absolutely okay. There are parts of it that I don't enjoy. On the grander scheme of things, I mean, with any, you know, when I worked full time, I loved my job. There were parts of it I didn't like. But I think as a grand, I, I see the value that I offer in the caregiving role much better than I ever did in my 40 hour week, eight to five. Um, and that's important to me. I want to make an impact. I want to make, um, and I don't have to solve the world's problems. I want to make an impact, even if it's on a small, you know, like you said, a small win, exposing my sister to Dr. Seuss on audiobook, and she loves it. Oh my goodness. That's, that's just icing on the cake for me. That makes my whole, that's awesome. that makes my whole day, <laughs> you know? I mean, when you look at it from her perspective, she's visually impaired. So what she sees is limited can't just get up and go into the other room oh my goodness who knows what that does for her you know exposing her to colored lights who knows what she sees I don't know I know she sees it it's not for me to say let's just you know bring the world to her and see what happens and that's the one I feel is one of the most powerful things that I can offer her that's an amazing attitude bring the world to her absolutely yeah absolutely can't put a price tag. No, not at all. We introduced you as a CCC yes. caregiving consultant. Do you do this by phone call? Do you do this by Zoom? Um, well, um, I actually would do it by either phone call, Zoom call, um, whatever someone, I, I know a lot of people aren't comfortable seeing themselves on video. I'm certainly open to either option, whatever whatever the, the caregiver is most comfortable with. Um, yeah, I welcome the opportunity. If there's something I can do to help someone and alleviate their stress or just give them a safe space where they can Vent. talk about the parts of caregiving that they don't like, but they can't say out loud to anybody else. <laughs> exactly. Speak your truth. You know, I'm not here. I'm, I'm a safe space. I'm not here to judge. Anybody who's been a caregiver gets it. Well, so often caregivers are isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I talk about uh, caregiving being a, an army of millions, doing it one person at a time. And just to have somebody at the other end of the line who will listen, like you said, not judge in any way, 
um, a safe space to share their frustrations or their successes. Um, what I have found very often in caregiving, once one family member steps up to do it, the rest of the family lets them do it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and not out of any ill will most of the time. It's because they have their own lives and they figure you're handling it. And so you end up very much alone. Um, so what you're doing and, and what I'm doing as a CCC is, is, is a big service for caregivers, that's for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, as, as a sibling, until probably about five years ago, I really struggled with the fact that I did not know any other siblings who, I knew siblings who had um, siblings with, you know, Down syndrome or cerebral palsy. I have yet to meet anybody who is as actively involved in the care of their sibling as I am. And that made me as I, I called myself a unicorn. Um, I felt like an island and that was very isolating and very lonely. Um, and I did what I could to find resources locally. And while it's, while it was, it was good for me just to connect with other siblings and accept the fact that nobody has the circumstance like I do and that being a unicorn is okay. Um, and that maybe who doesn't love a unicorn. I know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I know. All glittery. <laughs> They're magical. That's right. <laughs> but I've kind of felt like I've, I've accepted, I've stepped into my unicorn role, as you will, um, if you will, and I'm okay with it now. I really struggled with it for a while, but I'm like, it's okay. It's absolutely okay. Well, a light bulb has just gone off in my head. I mean, I know there are, there are groups, uh, support groups for caregivers, you know, millennial caregivers and caregivers of adult children mm -hmm. or whatever. Maybe we need a a group for sibling caregivers um, to, for them to know that um, even unicorns like to play with people that are like themselves. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And we all want we all want a sense of community. Well, Barbara, do you have any tip? or a bit of wisdom that you share with each person that comes to you and asks for advice or talks to you about caregiving on any level, your, your go-to? Um, I think my go-to is pretty much just to reiterate what I've said. It, it's it's a, a stop and a, it's a practice of stopping to step back and just take one thing at a time and be in the now as much as you can. And I know a lot of people say things about um, mindfulness and I know that gets big and confusing for and, and kind of muddled in a lot of ways. Um, but it's doing, it's making the mental shift of setting aside what you think should be happening and just focusing and being in what is happening. And my to-do list will always be there. That to-do list isn't going anywhere. And I will try again tomorrow. And I think it's very important in addition to that to carve out some small piece of time or space for yourself. Because if you don't take care of yourself, if you don't put your own oxygen mask on, you can't, you're of no good value. You know, you can't be your best self in 
any of the roles that you play, be it caregiving or any or husband, wife, whatever, most especially caregiving. Um, and it's to just absolutely it's to carve out some little niche. Yeah, I always start every day reading and I end every day reading. That's always been my go to and it's gotten me through a lot of difficult times through my life to, you know, leave reality and, and dive into a book. But it could be as, as simple as, you know, just taking a few minutes to walk away from whatever it is that's difficult at the moment and breathing for a while or stepping outside and screaming for a minute or crying in the shower or whatever it is to to let it out. Absolutely. Oh, I, I, find, um, I find crying to be a tremendous release valve. And if I just, even, it doesn't even have to be an ugly cry. It can be just letting off a little bit of, my eyes can get misty and I am completely, I can look at things rationally, calmly, and I move on. And I, and I offer myself grace. There's nothing wrong with crying. Everybody has their limit. And that limit is going to be different on any given day. Something that bothers me today, I can blow off tomorrow. And it's just, it's just being kind to yourself. You know, um, life is hard enough as it is, and it's challenging enough as it is. And we tend to make, we tend to be our own worst enemy and make things harder than they need to be. It's one of those small tips that I offer people is to be kind, as kind to yourself as you are to the people that you're Absolutely. caring for. Absolutely. Be kind to yourself is a is a good way to wrap up the episode of Roger That. Barbara, um, thank you so much. It's been an absolute joy having you on the show. Well, thank you for the invitation. And I'm just I'm thrilled to meet you both and to have this lovely conversation. This was I've been looking forward to this. As have we. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank you. Well, Mike, I saw you taking some notes, so I guess you'd have some takeaways. Uh, uh, or was I just doodling, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I did take a few notes. And, you know, it, I think her saying it just is and just f- accept the fact that it just is is really, really important. A lot, of, And that goes hand in hand is what she said there towards the end. Be in what, be in what is happening now not what you think should be happening and those two things go hand in hand and so very very important and we lose sight of that and uh another important point that she brought up was give yourself grace always give yourself grace caregivers are doing an incredible incredible job and you should give yourself grace um it just and is. And when you think you don't deserve it is exactly when you need it most. And you probably deserve it most. <laughs> <laughs> you can find more information about Barbara on our show website at rogerthat.show. This has been Roger That. I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. And we're dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. So please subscribe to the show, go to iTunes or the Roger That Facebook page and post a review. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question or issue you'd like for us to address, please post on the Roger That Facebook page. If you would like your identity to remain private, you can direct message your question on Facebook and we will answer. To find out more about us, head over to rogerthat.show. That's Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that, dot show. 
Roger That is produced by Missing Link, a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast raising the bar on craft cocktails. Here you meet interesting folks, enjoy boozy banter, and learn how to make craft cocktails from a master. And if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and all those in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows as your review helps our show reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company.